0: a couple years ago, when I was living in Buenos Aires, I did a special project. It's kind of like Made, if you remember that MTV music show, where I was working on a project where I was becoming a professional, quote unquote, tango dancer. Basically, I was working to create a choreography that would ultimately end with me performing that choreography for a big video that I was going to be using in my marketing campaigns and promotions. Anyway, I spent like 42 hours of private tango dance lessons over a six-week period. And I remember during the course of that, I spent a lot of time watching videos that I took with my iPhone of me practicing this choreography. And I remember there were many times, even all the way up to the final performance, where I would watch the video back, and in my mind, while I was performing, I thought I was bringing the heat. I thought I was doing so well. And then I'd go back and watch the video, and I'd be like... "Mm." Not so much, Sonia. Not quite. Not quite. Like, you look like you had the best intentions, but it didn't quite do what I was hoping that it would do. Anyway, that sort of sentiment of whenever you think you're doing something well, and in your mind, your heart, you feel like you have done it, you have brought the heat, you have brought the energy, you have done what you've needed to do to deliver the experience that you're looking to deliver... And then you go back and you get some actual evidence, be it video evidence, be it feedback from people that you're serving that actually what you're delivering isn't as hot as you think it is, or there are things that you could be doing that could be better. One, first, it might feel a little humbling, but if we get over that and use it as opportunity to do better and to improve, which was, of course, the whole point of me taking those videos of my practice sessions in the first place, was so that I could see what was happening and use it to improve the next day. Well... Here, as it relates to you building an inclusive brand, there are ways for you to do something similar. It's called an inclusive marketing audit or inclusive marketing growth assessment. And it's something new that I'm offering, but what I did over the past couple of weeks was I spent some time talking to actual consumers with different identities. And what I had them do was go through different websites from very popular brands to see What was their response to the existing experience that those brands were delivering to see, all right, from your identity, do you feel like you belong? Has the brand done a good job of making you feel seen and supported? Have they done a good job of representing you and doing what needs to be done to eliminate whatever friction may exist in the overall experience that they are delivering to you as a consumer? So today I want to walk you through lessons learned from those interviews that I did with consumers as they were responding and reacting to the experiences that they had as they were going through the different websites, social media channels, and other assets of very popular brands. So the identities of the people I talked to included a Spanish speaker, it included a Black woman, it included someone who follows a gluten-free diet, included someone from the disability community, as well as someone from the LGBTQ plus community. You were gonna get lots of really important insights that you can go ahead and take and apply directly to the experiences that you were delivering today. I'm so excited about sharing these insights with you, and we're gonna get right into them after this short break. who have succeeded in their fields. I like listening to this podcast because I like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences. One episode I'm super excited to dive into is the latest one, Lead Generation Journey with Glenville Dixon Jr. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we're gonna dive into each of these important lessons that I picked up, but I wanna let you know that in the show notes, I am going to be including a link to a landing page that has the actual videos Of these interviews, of course, the interviews have been edited into short clips with the specific lessons that I'm gonna be reviewing with you today. But if you actually want to see the consumer going through these websites, how they are clicking through, what it is that they're saying as they're going through it. The videos, none of them are longer than three minutes. Some of them are as short as 15 seconds. But if you want to actually see these consumers responding and what it actually looks like as they're going through doing these user testing on specific brand sites, go to the link that is included in the show notes and you can see them firsthand for yourself. I'm going to walk you through the summary of the lessons learned right Right here right now but in case you want to see and learn and digest for yourself have a look at these videos all right so the first person that i talked to was a spanish speaker and there were really three lessons that came out as we went and looked at and were auditing three different sites from this perspective of a spanish speaker so the first thing that I need you to know as it relates to serving Spanish speakers, and this actually really applies no matter whether it's a Spanish speaker or someone who speaks another language that is different from the language that your brand operates in primarily, is that If people who are interested in the product, the service, or the experiences that you deliver, if they're interested in it, they could very much end up on your website and explore it as an option. And if you don't have an option for that person to translate your website, your content, in the language that they prefer to operate in, there are other ways that they can get the information. But the question is, are you gonna be okay with the way in which they get that information? And are you gonna be happy with the experience that they're getting? Ultimately, I think the answer is going to be no. So in this instance, as I was going through a number of websites, we often found that there were websites that were not translated for Spanish speakers. Interesting fun fact for the U.S., The U.S. has the second largest population of Spanish speakers in the world, only behind Mexico. By the year 2050, the U.S. will overtake Mexico in terms of the largest number of Spanish speakers, and one in three people in the U.S. will speak Spanish. Not sure what the stats look like in other countries, but they're just something to be aware of, particular whether or not it relates to Spanish speakers, but something to be aware of as it relates to what are the populations of people who speak other languages than the official language in your country. So anyway, we were on this website, and the Spanish speaker, this consumer, was looking through and could not find an option to translate the website into Spanish. So he did what he often does whenever he comes to websites that he finds that it isn't translated or isn't there a way to do it. He was able to Google Translate. There's like a pop-up or there's a in a drop-down menu whenever you're right-clicking or going through where Google will translate the website for you. But as we were going through, we noticed that with this website, Google only translated the page that the user was on. It's a limitation, of course, because the website wasn't designed that way. So every time the person went to a different page, they had to go through the process of translating the site. One is the google translate is it a great translation sometimes it's really well sometimes it's not i just know how much in time and resources brands invest in the copywriting and a lot of that nuance is going to be lost in an ai translation like what Google is using. So that's just one thing. But the other thing is the experience overall is really diminished because there is a whole lot of friction that is happening every time the person has to go through and manually translate the website through having to go and select it page by page by page. If they really want the information, they'll do it, right? They will do it and they will go and get it. But you just have to think, How long will someone do it before they just be like, to heck with this? They're frustrated. And they'll go off to another website. Who has taken the time to translate it for them? So, just want to let you know that's one lesson that people will go through if they really want the information. There's a way for them to get it in another language if they want it, if it's not been provided for them. But the customer experience that they're going to go through as they're doing it is really going to be substandard and it's going to, it's, it's filled with a lot of friction that really isn't going to support them in converting or taking the next step forward with you. All right, the second lesson learned from going through this process of auditing different websites with a Spanish speaker was that whenever a brand does take the time and invest the resources to translate a website, placement matters how a person even finds out on your website that they can translate it, that you have done this work is quite important. We went to a number of websites where we found, well, basically it just felt like the option to translate the website was nowhere to be found. But because we were doing a special project and I had done my research in advance, I ultimately told this consumer to scroll down to the footer because on this, One website that we were on, I knew that the option to change the website from English into Spanish was located in the footer. And he went down and he pressed the link, and the whole website changed and it was great. The information was there. As he scrolled through and and clicked through different parts of the website, it was all done for him. And he appreciated the fact that the brand took the time to do it, but He never would have gotten there on his own. He wasn't going to spend all that time searching for where on the website this existed. He would have just assumed that it didn't exist. And as he was talking about his experience and the way this made him feel, he specifically said, why Why is it all the way in the footer? Like the brand isn't losing anything if they were going to put it up in the main navigation and put that option more front and center at the top so somebody who's entering the website can see it. He said that basically it felt like Spanish or the Spanish speaker wasn't important because they put that information all the way down in the footer. And he was just like, listen, all right, well, we're gonna put this information available to you in English, and okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a last resort, if you really wanna watch it in Spanish, look, look, look all the way down here, you can get it and you can get access to it. And I don't feel like that was the brand's intention at all, but that's the way that this consumer felt specifically whenever he finally found the information in the footer. But to be clear, most people, this person included, wasn't going to spend time looking there. So all that effort really would have been wasted by the brand, and they would have lost out on the opportunity to convert this consumer or move them along in the process. No bueno, no bueno at all. So if you're going to take the time to make the consumers that you're serving feel seen, be sure to make sure you think through how you are delivering the experience. Make it something that's easy for them to find rather than difficult to find. Don't bury it. Don't make it difficult. Otherwise, we're going to assume that you just don't have it. And the last lesson learned specifically from the point of view of the Spanish speaker was that There was one website that we went to where it changed automatically from English to Spanish. So we think what happened was somehow the the website was set up to read the browser settings or the preferences of this person in particular. So whenever he got to the website... From the homepage, the website changed automatically. Everything was in Spanish. It was beautifully laid out. He didn't have to do any work. And from his point of view, that experience was a 10 because he didn't have to go and do anything. The tricky part of this is initially, whenever he typed the name of the company into the search bar he clicked on a sponsored post rather than the basic homepage of the website. So the brand had paid for some paid search terms and he clicked on one of those sponsored posts. So initially, whenever he got to the website, I don't know if it was a landing page, but whenever he got to this specific page, everything was in English and he's poked around, he poked around, he poked around for a few minutes trying to find where he could change the website into Spanish and there was nothing there. There weren't an options. He tried to use that Google translate function that exists separately apart from the website, but that will change it. He couldn't find it. Eventually I had him try going to the homepage and whenever he got to the homepage, it changed automatically. So as we were debriefing, we were talking about this. He said, yeah, this is really great, but let's say someone doesn't have their browser settings set for a Spanish Seeker, they're using a shared computer. Um, If they're using a shared computer, or they don't have their browser set, and they get to that website, and they want it to be in Spanish or another language, the system isn't going to auto detect it. And there was no way to change it manually on the website. There was no way to click a link. There was no way to find it and select that you wanted to do it in Spanish. So the technology was really cool in that it changed automatically. But depending upon where a person was entering into the website, if it wasn't at the home page, then it wasn't an ideal scenario. And there was no way for that particular consumer or any consumer to go and find a way to change the website into the language that they wanted it to be, even though the brand had already done the work and made it available. So just know a lot of times people don't enter into a brand's website at their home page. So just think about that from a customer experience standpoint, as you're trying to reach different consumers, we want to make sure that you thought through all the technical elements and all the different scenarios that might happen or pop up that could impact how someone experiences the customer experience that you've specifically planned out. Okay, the second consumer that I talked to was someone who is a part of the disability community, and specifically, she has a hearing impairment. And we went through a couple of websites, we went and looked at some very popular podcasts, and we also checked out some social media accounts of different Brands. All of these are very, very, very wildly successful, very popular websites, very popular brands. Okay, so the first one that we went through was podcasts. Although she is hearing impaired, she really does enjoy podcasts. There's lots of wonderful, great information that can be captured in podcasts. And even though she's not listening to them, there are ways that she can still consume the podcast First off is if the podcast publisher provides a transcript. But in a lot of instances, the podcaster has not provided a transcript. So in that instance, she is not able to enjoy the content that this brand has put forth. So that's first up, number one. As we were going through and we looked at uh, a couple of very popular podcasts, one, the The evaluation or the audit ended very quickly because whenever we were in iTunes and she was looking, there was no option for a transcript. It wasn't available. There was no mention of it. She couldn't even go to the website to check to see if they had it there um, because there was no mention of it. But also, she wasn't interested at that point because it wasn't there. For one of the other podcasts that we listened to, there wasn't a transcript, which she was disappointed in. But they did provide a YouTube video of the podcast. So then she clicked through and went and looked at the YouTube video. And that was great because a lot of instances, there will be captions on the YouTube video. So it's not a transcript that she can read through, but she can sit and look at the video along with the captions that are included in the video if they are included. So in this instance, for this popular podcast, there were captions that were there. However, we ran into a bit of a challenge because in the beginning of the podcast or the video version of the podcast, there was an introduction But the introduction where they were really just kind of doing, think of it like a trailer, a big promo sizzle reel to get people excited about the rest of the content for the show. But the challenge in this 30 seconds of big time sizzle and promotion was that their visuals associated with it were really all over the place. They were bold. They changed a lot. There was a lot of movement. And visually, it made it interesting. But if you're trying to focus on reading the captions, it really was hard to read. It was distracting. So then she tried turning the captions off. But then what was being shown on the screen, she just knew that she was missing out on some information because everything wasn't captured. So whenever we fast forwarded it a little bit, the actual interview was fully captioned. She said the captions were impeccable. It was great timing. And she could have listened to this all the way through because the brand team really took great care in setting up and incorporating the captions. But the first 30 seconds of the video where they had that introduction, where it was just super busy and overwhelming, At that point, she never would have gotten to the interview because it would have been too much for her. The experience was delivering too much friction for her in that first 30 seconds, making it very hard for her to focus on the captions. So she would have clicked off before she even actually got to the interview. So thinking about the experience, of course, you hear me say this all the time, is essential because the time and the care that you take to make the experiences that you're delivering to people from underrepresented and underserved communities is valued and appreciated, but if they can't find it or if the experience that you deliver to them right off the bat is off-putting or creating too much friction, they can't get to the part where you've created um, something that was designed specifically for them. Okay. Whenever we went and we looked at a few websites with this woman who was part of the disability community, we went through and we clicked through. And for her, a lot of the websites that we looked at were great, but we came across one. Um, it was for a shoe company, very popular shoe brand. And she was looking through and she noticed that the headlines for the different sections were written in all caps. So her feedback there was that I wish these weren't written in all caps because when words and phrases, the headline and the subhead are written in all caps like that, it is very hard for people to, To comprehend, particularly for people who have cognitive disabilities, um, people who are dyslexic, it's just very hard to make a distinction between the different words, the phrases, and so that is causing friction for them. So, just something to keep in mind from an accessibility standpoint: avoid using all caps in the words and phrases that you're using, especially in headlines and subheads on your website. All right, and the. Third lesson learned from talking with this woman from the disability community was whenever we went to social media and we audited some Instagram accounts specifically, what she was looking for, and this is what she looks for normally as she's going through and looking at content on social media, on Instagram specifically, is if she's looking at Reels, She wants to look for captions on the reels. And for the brands that we looked at, wonderful, they did include captions on the reels. And she went through and she checked because sometimes brands will do a great job of including captions, but they'll make the minor mistake of putting captions too low on the placement on the Reel. So if you're looking at it on your phone, which a lot of people are doing, the captions are cut off or they're not showing just upon depending upon where in the app that they are looking at it from. So just a quick reminder for you, make sure that you are, from an accessibility standpoint, include captions of the audio that you're using on your videos, not just your Reels on your videos overall. This includes on your stories that you are publishing as well. For Instagram, they make it easy for you. They do have auto captioning, but just double check to make sure that those auto captions are correct. She did mention that if she gets to somebody's stories and it's not captioned, she's gonna click away very quickly. She's not gonna bother trying to figure out what's happening or what's going on. Okay, moving right along. I talked to another woman Who is gluten free? So, we went through and explored restaurants, the websites of restaurants. And one of the things that she told me is that in most instances, when she's going to go to a new restaurant, she has to Google the restaurant in advance so she knows whether or not she can eat at the restaurant. Or let's say she's going out with a group of friends and she's the only gluten-free person, she's going to Google the restaurant specifically because she said, she told me she needs to know if she needs to pre-eat or not. She doesn't want to get to a situation where she's at the restaurant and there are little to no options for her. And so she's hungry and risks a hangry situation. So what she'll do is she'll check the website out in advance to find out if it's a place that she can comfortably eat something and be satisfied, um, which will signal to her whether or not she needs to pre-eat or not. We don't want people to have to pre-eat before going to a restaurant. That's not good at all. All right, so a couple of things that we noticed as um, we were going through the process. There was one brand who had the information about what foods and items were gluten-free, along with other diets, which she was really impressed with how well this brand accommodated for and was acknowledging different diets, specifically that people were following. They had gluten-free, they had paleo, they had vegan, they had vegetarian, they had Whole30, um, they had keto, they had all those things marked. But the way they showed them on the menu was like, this scrolling table that I believe she referred to as the periodic table, or maybe I refer to it as a periodic table, but it's generally pretty cumbersome. This one, a particular website, and you can see the video and that link that I mentioned, it only scrolled up and down, so she did acknowledge that that was better, scrolling up and down, versus having to scroll both up and down and right to left, because you can lose the information. It just gets hard, and there's a lot of friction associated with it. And friction leads to lost conversions. Friction leads to you know somebody not moving forward and buying whatever it is that you're offering. It's not good. So that was one thing is, if possible... Don't present the information about dietary restrictions in a periodic table or that table format because it is quite cumbersome for someone, and it's just not an ideal presentation. It causes a lot of friction. The second lesson learned was as she went to one website she, she made the comment that oftentimes, whenever she is going through and she goes to a website to look for their menu or to find out what options are gluten-free, it's very difficult to find the information on the website. Yes, restaurants often do. They do put their menu, but the menu isn't always labeled. What works for people with dietary restrictions? So, what does she have to do? She often goes back to Google, that's her browser of choice, and she will type in the name of the restaurant, gluten free. And often, what will pop up is a PDF on the restaurant, or it will be sites like Find Me Gluten Free or other websites who've talked about this particular restaurant. That's not good. It should be the restaurant first. But a PDF might pop up with their gluten-free menu, their statement on things that are gluten-free or gluten-sensitive in their approach. Um, so she was specifically going to a website in a few days from whenever I was talking to her. So we went and we looked at um, their website and sure enough, We got there, we couldn't find anything directly on the website, even though we got to the menu where it labeled anything gluten-free. So she went back out to Google, typed in the name of the restaurant and gluten-free and up popped a PDF. So that was helpful. There were some options that were available to her, although there was no dessert options available, which was a bummer for her. She was quite disappointed because she did mention that, you know, a lot of times restaurants will have some options that are gluten-free. Those options will be very limited and those options almost never include dessert, which is quite tragic for her. All right. So the third lesson from this gluten-free customer, again, and this is similar to a lesson from the Spanish speaker, is whenever you have taken the time to serve people from underrepresented and underserved communities, make it known, put it front and center. Don't make it hard for them to find it or to see it. Uh, So the website that we went to actually you know, it represented what we've seen as a gold standard for specifically gluten-free people. But this could be served for anybody with dietary restrictions. She went to the website and in the main menu where she found the drop-down menu for the actual menu of the restaurant. <laughs> and right there, front and center, it had gluten-free in the drop-down menu with regards to the restaurant menu. And she went through, a PDF popped up. For her, she was overjoyed because the PDF was eight pages long. Like it's included the wine list and all that kind of stuff. But she found so many options for her as a gluten-free person more options that she can ever imagine, more options that she's probably ever seen at any restaurant, and those options included dessert. Not just one dessert. I believe we counted. There were like six dessert options available for her as a gluten-free person. She was overjoyed and very excited, and she didn't have to go through her standard, you know, type in the name of the restaurant and type in gluten-free to find it uh, because it was right there in the main menu menu everything marked, everything clear, and so many options. So the key is don't make- Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Or could it be Don? Or John? Or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all-new service hub can help well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever with an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs and a full 360 view of every customer so your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means, better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. Make it difficult for the people that you want to serve to find what it is that you're offering or to know that you have thought about them and that they belong with you. Make it clear right from the beginning. Make it front and center. After this short break, you're going to hear lessons learned from two other consumers that I chatted with, with two different identities. Okay. So I also did some brand audits with a gentleman who is from the LGBTQ plus community. So the first website that he and I were evaluating had a form on it. It was for an airline specifically, and it was for you to sign up for the mileage program for the airline. But to do that, of course, you had to fill out a form. And lots of brands have forms for customers to fill out at some point in time. But one of the things that this form in particular was asking about was gender. And as he opened it, he saw that there were more than two options. There was more than just male and female. But the other two options kind of stopped him in his tracks and it made him smile a little bit out of frustration because the other options were unspecified or undisclosed. So basically it just kind of felt like the options they were provided were male, female, and none of your business. He basically felt like those options were othering anybody who did not identify with a binary gender of male or female. And so he just wished that the brand would provide additional options beyond just male, female, or other, or unspecified, that it would just not cause that friction. It would not cause someone to just feel like they don't get it or they don't see me. And it would just make more of the people they serve feel like they belong without diminishing the experience for anyone else along the way. So that was just one thing. Think about the forms that you are having the people that you serve fill out. One, think about, is it necessary to incorporate gender? And if the answer is yes, if you're including gender, just be really thoughtful about how you are, the options that you are putting for gender specifically Are you making people feel othered, or are you considering more people in the process? Okay, the next thing that we went and we looked at was a website specifically for a hotel. And the consumer was telling me, as a gay man, he has a number of different considerations to take into account, specifically from a hotel and where he's traveling, to make sure that he's going to be safe. Safety is a big concern. And... He wants to know that not only is he gonna be safe in the area, but is he going to feel comfortable from the guests, from the staff, where he is going to be going. So we were on this website, it was a beautiful website. Um, and he saw the pictures, but he saw zero information as it relates to this company, this particular hotel chain. Um, and he was scrolling and he was scrolling and scrolling. But again, because I had done my research, I knew that there was more information available. So we got down to the footer and I asked him, all right, well if you don't find information that kind of makes it clear that you are welcome welcome here, that you belong, that you'll be safe in this particular hotel location, what would you do? And so he started to explain that, you know, he might go and check out the website's Instagram or social media channels. So we went on the hotel's Instagram account and saw that in one of the Instagram highlights, there was a pride highlight with a rainbow. So he went and he clicked on the highlights and he saw that, okay, One of the locations had attended pride parades. They had talked about from a pride standpoint what they stand for, and he thought that that made him feel a lot better. But he was very clear to note, like, yeah, I feel great about this. I feel safe. But man, I really had to do some digging to find this information. I wish I didn't have to do this digging. So um, I went and I told him, you know what, there actually is some information about this on the company's website. And I told him to go look in the footer. And in the footer, there was something um, labeled social responsibility. And he went and he clicked on it. And there he found something that was about the brand's work with the Trevor Project, what their stand for and from diversity, inclusion, and belonging. And the information that he was looking for was there, but again, he's never going to go and look in the footer to find this information. It was hidden and it was buried. So then it caused him to just kind of really question this hotel chain's intentions. Why are you hiding this information? Why is it so hard to find? Am I really welcome here or are you putting it, burying it because you want to prevent other people who may not be comfortable with him and his identity from being upset by saying that? Food for thought. If you're going to take the time to serve people from specific communities and identities, don't hide it. Put it front and center. Which brings us to another example of a website that we went to where it was for an ice cream brand. And the minute he got onto this website, right there in the main menu, there was a section highlighted that said activism. So he knew, oh, this brand actually stands for something. So he was super curious. He also talked about the hero image where Hands of different people, you know, dipping into a bowl of ice cream. But one of those hands was black. This um, gentleman is a black male, so he was very excited about that. That sent a clear signal to them: okay, we see you. Um, so whenever he clicked on the activism section, he saw the different things that that brand stood for. Immediately, it was so easy to find, and he was excited about it. It made him feel comfortable. It made him feel like the brand really took the time to see him, and they weren't. it. It was front and center, and he just wished that more brands would do that. And the last person that I talked to with this round of brand audits that I was doing was a Black woman. And as we were looking at different social media accounts and websites, she was looking at it through that lens and telling me basically how she would be evaluating those different brands on whether or not she would buy from them based upon what it is that she saw. So the first one that we went to was an Instagram account for a wedding photographer photographer and within five seconds I don't even think we got to five seconds she's like immediately no absolutely not nope 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 she would never hire this woman because basically in the woman's all of her photos of different weddings that she had shot every last image was of a white couple or a white appearing couple and as a black woman she's like there's no one not one person here that looks like me So I don't even know because she, one, it doesn't seem like she's interested in photographing people who look like me. And two, I don't even know if she would be able to do a good job because there's no evidence of her being able to do it effectively. So there wasn't time for her to like scroll through the woman's full account to see if there were going to be any photos. Just for her quick impression that she made this decision in less than five seconds, absolutely not. hard no are her exact words. Okay, then we went through another Cosmetics website, where as she was scrolling around um, in the main navigation, she saw that they had included on their navigation a section for Black owned brands. And whenever she saw that, she saw the brands, some of those Black owned brands she didn't even know, but she saw some that were familiar to her. And she's like, oh, I didn't know they did this. And she told me that it would cause her to think about buying from this brand where maybe previously she wouldn't because they have a section specifically for black owned brands. She knew that this brand is serious about serving black consumers. She knew that this beauty brand is serious about having products available that will meet her needs. And she just felt very much seen. And she loved the fact that it was right there front and center. She didn't have to dig around for it. The brand did a good job of making it known. And it was information She didn't already know. So they brought it to her attention and she appreciated it. And the last brand that we went through and did an audit of with this woman, this black woman, was a hotel. And we went through their Instagram account. And for her, she's like, listen, if I'm going to be spending the time and the money, right, on a vacation at this particular hotel, and I'm looking at options. I want to choose a hotel where I know people aren't going to be looking at me sideways because they're not accustomed to seeing Black people at this particular hotel. So she was scrolling through, scrolling through, scrolling through, and she saw one, maybe two people in the Instagram account who were people who were guests. But then she came across and she saw two workers who were Black. And that kind of frustrated her because in the Instagram feed, you have all these people who are guests of the hotel, they're having a good time. But of the four people that she saw who are black in the feed of this Instagram account, two of them were workers and two of them were guests. And she just felt like, listen, I understand that, you know, representation matters, I need to see guests, but like, Why are there seem to be just as many workers who are Black versus, you know, actual consumers of this hotel? And if you were looking at the other hotel workers, you didn't see other hotel workers of other races represented. So it just kind of brought up this sort of feeling for her that made her feel hesitant to want to consider this hotel as an option for her. So, the lesson here really is representation matters. Like, people need to see themselves or who they aspire to be represented in the visual imagery that your brand is putting forth to know that, you know, working with you, buying from you is going to be a safe and a good experience for them, and that they're not going to have less than ideal customer experiences because of their identity. They need evidence and proof that it's going to be okay and that you consider them. We covered a lot of ground today in this episode. As I was doing these interviews for these brand audits, it was fascinating. The smallest details that basically lined up to broader themes around inclusive marketing, I found fascinating hearing it in the own words of these different consumers uh, from their, their specific identities and just seeing how they navigated web- websites, um, how they navigated getting information. It was obvious. Eye opening. And in case you are interested in getting an inclusive marketing growth audit and having this assessment done for your brand, whether you are having just my eyes on what you're doing to get my feedback, along with some action steps and recommendations for changes that you can make right now and start improving your conversions, or whether you want to go more in depth and get actual consumer feedback from people who match the identities and the profile of people who have the problem that your brand solves, people who are from communities that you want to serve, we can do that too. Shoot me a quick email, sonia at com, and we can talk about how to do this for your brand. I'll also drop my email into the show notes so you can access it easily. So yeah, let's talk about it. If you like this show, do share it with a friend, colleague, or others in your network Maybe they'll find it just as fascinating as I will, and they'll find small little things that they can be doing based upon feedback from these consumers that will help them improve their conversions overall and make more of the people they're serving feel seen. You can find more tips, news, insights, and other practical advice on how to build an inclusive brand that makes more of the people you serve feel like they belong with you by joining the Inclusion and Marketing Newsletter. Each week, I send you helpful resources, tips, and insights to help you do just that. So if you are not already signed up, I will drop a link to it in the show notes so you can go ahead and get signed up easily. One other quick thing to remember, if you're interested in seeing the actual videos, they're short videos, none of them are longer than three minutes. Some of them are one minute, one of them I believe is 15 seconds. If you want to see any of the videos where the actual consumers that I've chatted with are going through and see the brands and see how they're going through um, and giving their feedback and reacting to these sites, go to the link that's in the show notes and you can see those videos. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to ensure more people feel like they do. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon.